Keeping Accenticity going takes us a lot of time and also a bit of money to cover running costs. To help cover those costs, we're now selling our first Accenticity merch. We have some very cool, very exclusive t-shirts designed by artist Kat Ingle. And you can get one for yourself by following the link in the episode description or by going to the Accenticity website and finding the merch tab. If you're not a t-shirt person and you'd rather support the podcast in another way, you can sign up to give a small monthly donation via Patreon or Steady, or you can give a one-off donation via the website. Thanks to everyone who's already bought t-shirts and donated over the past couple of months. It means a lot. This is Accentricity Series 2, The Moving Project. Stories about migration, language and identity from around the world. Over the past year, we've been teaching a free online course on how to podcast and helping a group of people to tell personal stories about the experience of moving from one place to another. This is Helen and Sam's story. Helen decided that she'd like to explore ideas around migration, home and belonging by telling the story of her friend Sam. Sam grew up in America, but left at a young age and has now lived in nine countries around the world. He's found one place that particularly feels like home to him, Berlin. First, you'll hear Helen's 10-minute audio piece, in which she explores what it means to look for a home and to choose one that gives you what you need at that time in your life. Afterwards, you'll hear a conversation we had at the end of the project, where we talk a bit about telling someone else's story and exploring your own feelings by exploring someone else's. But first, here's Helen's audio piece. Where is home for you? Is it where you were born? A place that you found later in life? or wherever you happen to be laying your head that night. I was born on the southwest coast of England. Growing up in a small seaside town, I never quite felt like I belonged. It didn't feel like the town matched my idea of myself, or that I could really be who I wanted to there. For as long as I can remember, I was set on leaving this sleepy place by the sea and stepping out into the world to find the place that really would feel like home. In 2008, age 21, I was working as a teacher in Saigon, Vietnam. There I met Sam. He had left his hometown in North America five years previously and had begun teaching English all around the world. I remember working on my father's farm cutting asparagus as, you know, I was 11 and just really feeling, is this my life? You know, and, and, and looking around and seeing this really kind of rural agricultural area and just feeling completely like, you know, a fish out of water and wondering if I was really meant to be there. I really felt like I was meant to be somewhere else. One of the many things we bonded over was that sense of not quite belonging to the place we were born and feeling ourselves to be on a search for the place that we would land in and that would instantly feel just like home. I remember being in the fourth and the fifth grade 
and being obsessed with this little fantasy of me being a transfer student from England, of all places. You know, and I used to kind of practice this English accent, which I had sort of gotten from, you know, all these old movies that my mom had showed us. I imagined myself kind of dressed different, but I was always kind of alone and kind of a loner in those fantasies, sort of me walking around the playground of the school and being in school and have people kind of interact with me sometime, but not being with them, you know, and I was different, but there was a reason for me to be different. And there was an, a certain element of being cool or interesting associated with that otherness, you know, so it was a positive thing. It was, it was a thing that people were curious about and kind of, kind of interested in. And that was just a fantasy that kind of got me through things. You know, I was the person that watched old movies and, and saw people, you know, theater and dancing and, the, and opera and, you know, and kind of longed for the big city. I think it's really interesting to hear Sam talk about how films, books and theatre were a source of comfort to him when he was younger and perhaps fueled the feeling he had not only that he was meant to be somewhere else, but that going out there to find his place was a fantasy that could become a reality in his life. I'm struck by this idea of fantasy, the stories or ideas that we tell ourselves about who we could be and where we might belong. It makes me wonder about my own search for a place that feels like home to me and how much that is fueled by fantasy, by ideas that I have from books I've read or films I've watched. I always find Sam's experience inspiring though, as despite having lived in nine countries since he left the US in 2003, he found a particularly special connection with one place, Berlin. I went there in 2003 and it was a very different place. It wasn't a Mecca for Bohemian wannabes from around the world. Not, not, not to say that that's a negative thing, but it just wasn't that. So it did kind of have a feeling of being immersed in a local culture. Um, Berlin was, had a feeling of being kind of very disheveled and, and with a lot of really exciting things to do at night. And there were people from various places around, but they were kind of like cast-offs. You know, they were kind of like dysfunctional cast-offs. There was all the other stuff. There was the history. There was the fact that there was kind of old architecture mixed in with new architecture. There was the, the sense of the wall and the immigrant communities and, you know, the fact that Berlin is a pretty poor place. All of those things gave me the feeling of that it's exciting. And it felt familiar to me. And I met a lot of people that I really liked, and it kind of all combined. While Sam acknowledges the many things about Berlin that particularly excited him and made him feel eager to make a new home in the city, I think it's interesting to hear him talk about how his connection with a book set in Berlin really coloured his experience of it. Right at that time is when I read um, the Christopher Isherwood novel, the Christopher Isherwood novels, the Berlin novels and you know it was such a it, they hit me so hard and I related so much to this uh, character who even though he's English and I'm American he was kind of 
alone in Berlin, observing the culture. Um, he was gay, he was an English teacher, so he's recounting these stories of his teaching experiences and his, and you know, the crazy characters that he met. And they, it was, you know, it, it was all, it was just so much of it seemed really uh, something I could relate to that I, and I started traveling around the city on a bike or walking or going on the U-Bahn and I would find locations that he would, that he talked about in his book. And that radically transformed my relationship to the city, but it also gave me the sense of history in, a, in the city and that there was kind of a, a connection there for me that, that I could relate to. I'm sure many of us can relate to the experience of identifying with a character in a book or a film and maybe even following in their footsteps to a place. Again, this seems to fit with the idea of our sense of home and what home can mean to us being something of a fantasy. Seeing a place through the prism of art and literature that moves us adds a romance to our relationship with it. One of the most iconic lines from the Christopher Isherwood novel's Sam References is the opening to Goodbye to Berlin. I am a camera with its shutter open, quiet, passive, recording, not thinking, recording the man shaving at the window opposite and the woman in the kimono washing her hair. There is a sense of the character on the periphery as he observes the lives of others around him. Having lived in Berlin for so long now, I wondered if Sam's feeling of being somewhat on the outside looking in had changed at all. He took great effort to learn German, and I, particularly as someone who does not speak a second language, was keen to hear how that had changed his experience of the city. Did this see him move from observing on the edge to feeling deeply embedded in the rhythm of Berlin? Did it open up the city so he now heard it in a whole new way? And did learning the language of the place that so enchanted him when he first arrived make him feel more at home there? When I was suddenly in a situation where people would talk and I would just passively understand without trying, the city kind of came alive in that way. But what I realized in that moment was it did kind of demystify the city as well, and I think that it did reduce a certain amount of romance that I sort of associated with being this foreign person in this exciting city. Suddenly it became a rather mundane city where I realized people were talking about fairly concrete things that were maybe not as interesting as I had imagined. So there's kind of a pros and cons there, you know, about about that you know the other thing is once you learn the language and you can just sort of fade in with everybody else you're no longer special you know there's no people making sort of concessions for you or exceptions for you and um, I'm not saying that I wanted to be that all the, all, all, all the time but I'm saying because I remember beforehand when when people would kind of you know, change to English and I didn't want them to or, you know, I wanted to be more anonymous. Um, but there's, I guess my point is there's just, you know, there's pros and cons on both sides. I appreciate Sam's honesty about the upsides and the downsides of learning a language and that in some ways it broke the illusion, the mystique that Berlin carried for him. 
I guess as a place becomes more familiar, it may be harder to hold it up as a fantasy. And there are good and bad things about that. With familiarity comes comfort and ease, but the buzz of the new and mysterious fades. Sam's experience also interests me, as now, having lived in Berlin for a total of nine years, he has a real sense of personal history with the place. He's gone through significant life changes there, and he shared with me how sometimes he can even feel haunted by past versions of himself occupying the city streets. Sometimes I have the feeling when I walk around the city, um, now I feel a bit like a ghost because I'm seeing places that I lived that other life in. I mean, they're the actual same streets and buildings, and I have these memories sort of flood back over me, but the life that I actually live now is, is, is much different and in many ways much more removed. My relationship to Berlin has changed in the last three or four years because I've started to feel like the reason that I'm here and no longer applies. I'm starting to feel like it's time for me to move on, but I'm so um, safe in this place that I'm afraid, afraid to go back out there and, and, and not sure what to do. So there is a sense of, there is a sense of being a ghost in that way as well, so. The reason I'm here no longer applies, Sam tells us. The story or the connection to a place that was at one time so strong doesn't necessarily fit now. It makes me reconsider the idea I had when I was younger, that you would find your place and that would be it. Perhaps a sense of home and belonging is more fluid than that. And while one place might feel like where we need to be at one point in our life, that can change. Interestingly, Sam has spoken to me about how, for the first time, he was considering a return to his hometown in America, that from a distance he's been reassessing his relationship with the place. There has been a process, maybe only in the last five years, of me starting to think more fondly of the place and starting to feel like maybe I will end up there, maybe I'll return. Um, so a bit more nostalgia and kind of a sense of reinterpreting my experience as a child and a teenager. You know, what would it be like after 25 years or 30 years um, to actually return and start a life for myself in a rural valley, agricultural area, you know, depressed kind of area. You know, I have started to think about that more. As I stand on the shores of the seafront that I had been so eager to leave behind when I was younger, I'm now able to appreciate the place in a way I never could have before leaving. An appreciation that was perhaps only able to arise after having spent 15 years living away. Will I ever think of this place as home? Could I ever move back here? How might that feel? And there, I see myself falling into another fantasy, another compelling story, that of the wanderer returning.
had you done anything like this before? Like, what made you want to try out podcasting? No, I hadn't done anything like this before. I think primarily what made me want to do it is that I've just been listening to so many podcasts. I'd perhaps always been slightly resistant to them for some reason because I listened to a lot of the radio anyway. Either way, they became a massive source of of comfort and like such a huge part of my life um, over 2020. And I could see how maybe some of the skills that I've developed as um, a playwright or a writer and, and even a researcher, and like my current PhD research, could be applicable. But in terms of the kind of the technical aspect, I felt like a complete beginner, a complete not that would have no idea where to begin. Why did you choose this particular story to tell? What what drew you to this story? Well, um, I, I instantly thought of my friend Sam and I was thinking about this idea of home, which is seems to be something that comes up quite a lot for me in, in, in writing and, and work. And I'm always really interested if people have a place that they feel particularly like is their home, even if they don't live there, but they can kind of straight away sort of say, oh, you know, well, home is always Glasgow or, you know, I'm felt straight away at home in London because I don't have that as a place particularly. And, and I'm just always intrigued and want to hear from people that do and kind of understand their relationship with it. Was Is it because that's where you were born and you just, you know, that, you always know that that feels home or or did you sort of discover this place and and felt that and and what was it about that you know was was there something about your identity that seemed to match the identity of the place does language play a part in that I guess like learning acquiring a language and have you had to travel to find that place or is it just sort of, you know, where you where you were and I think Sam is a really interesting person because he's he's lived in nine countries, like very different countries across the world. Um, and I guess therefore is is good at, or experienced in making temporary homes for himself. He has a complex relationship with where he grew up and yet seems he, he writes and is writing a memoir and sort of seems to be forever writing about that place, even though he doesn't want to be there. But also he um, landed upon Berlin and had the kind of romantic um, or have always imagined as being the sort of romantic connection with a place where you land in that city or, or, or place in the world. This is this is my place. I found it. And I think when he first moved to Berlin, it was certainly that. And he learned German. So I was interested in learning a bit more about whether that deepened that connection or not, or, or just how that changed his relationship with the place. Um, yeah, and he's, I think he's quite an engaging storyteller as well. So part of me felt that he would be a good subject and that he, you know, he has a, a good turn of phrase and he, he uses a lot of sort of images when he talks, which actually is not something I was really conscious of at the beginning of this, but you, I think you mentioned that in one of our meetings about, yeah, it was when we um, edited the interview between you and your mum and you were talking about some of the choices I'd made. And I think subconsciously I'd sort of selected bits where she 
you know, there was some really amazing images. I can still remember when she was describing um, a friend of her grandmother's as like a magnificent crow. And I just love that. And that's, that's still in my head now. And I think Sam has that quality as well of, of perhaps landing on, on powerful images that, that stay with you. So in that way, a good, a good subject for the podcast. The idea of choosing a home is really interesting to me because I've always definitely thought of home as something that is the default of where you are raised and perhaps if you move between places you might be able to at some point say okay this place feels more like home than that place but the idea of kind of travelling in search of a home is really interesting to me Um, and I liked hearing about that from Sam, I thought that was really interesting. What was it like telling someone else's story rather than your own? Like, I'm interested in this. So I'm making uh, episodes with my mum. So similarly, I'm telling her story for her, with her input and collaboratively. But I'm very aware that it's collaborative, but I'm still the one doing the editing and making the decisions about how the story's told. So I wondered how that felt for you, like the dynamics of telling someone else's story with them, but also for them. Yeah, really interesting. And I think this, there was quite a big shift between my first edit and my second edit, um, because in the first edit, I was very much wanting to, um, I guess, sort of platform as much of, of Sam's story as possible. And even though I was having to edit down a lot of interview content, I was really wanting to make sure that I kind of gave a, a, a real flavour of the whole breadth of, of what he told me. And really being conscious in my edits of not, you know, which I guess we all would be, but but not that an edit hadn't sort of changed the meaning or, how, or like how things had, I mean, I guess the kind of ethics around that as well. Whereas the, I think after sort of having our feedback and discussing it, I think that my, maybe my concerns to kind of keep as much of of what he told me as possible and to try and get as, as many sort of elements of his personality or shades there was to the detriment of having a more focused piece of, of storytelling. So the second edit, like there's there's whole chunks about Sam and who he is that don't get mentioned at all. And I have actually brought myself in a little bit more um, reflecting on what he says and sort of relating it back to myself. Um, and also, I guess, hopefully opening up to the audience as well. And I think maybe I probably needed to go on that journey of having the first edit to then feel being able to do it in the second edit. But yeah, it's, it is really interesting because I've not really, I don't think I've ever written verbatim theatre, but I've definitely sort of, I've, I've taught um, undergraduates about verbatim theatre and um, I suppose there was a slight crossover in some of the things you think about that when you're using someone's direct words and we, you know and anything that's sort of pertaining to be kind of documentary or verbatim of course you still need to acknowledge that it's been edited and 
that the director or the playwright or whoever is, is always going to be shaping something to the, you know, to, to serve the ideas they want. And I think I was conscious of that, especially because, I mean, I would be with anyone, but when it's a really good friend. And I suppose there's pros and cons to that as well, because perhaps if you're interviewing someone you've never met before, you are just going on what they've told you in that interview. And even then, you still have a lot to shape and cut down. But I suppose in addition to everything Sam told me in that interview, I was also bringing over 10 years of friendship and all the other stuff that I know about him, which would be colouring then what I want, how I want to edit it and what I want to tell. I think it's going to be somewhat similar making the episode with my mum. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> there's there's a lot of yeah there's all of our relationship and all that I know of her kind of crammed into <laughs> this little little short piece because you were quite close to Sam already before making this I wondered if did you learn anything new about Sam or his experiences that you didn't already know um I think I I didn't realise quite how I didn't include this in my first edit, but I've included it in the second one that he he felt that learning German kind of demystified the city for him in a way. So a certain amount of the romance that he had or the vision he created of Berlin was slightly lost when he learned German which I found really interesting. So I don't speak another language, so I probably kind of slightly, um, I'm kind of in more of that and romanticise what it must be to like sort of access another language of, of somebody really connected to. And I think he talked, I knew, I knew that he didn't feel at home where he grew up, but it was interesting he expressed it very eloquently and there was a lot of what I could relate to in how he described it, but also there were just particular details that I hadn't heard before, one of which being that he he had this sort of fantasy of himself as a, a transfer student from England. Um, I think because he sort of felt like a bit of a fish out of water and he grew up watching a lot of old films that his mum had shown him and that sort of inspired him to have this fancy that he wasn't actually from there and I just sort of enjoyed that um, anecdote which which very much kind of makes sense and in, in keeping with the sound I know but I hadn't heard that, that particular detail before. Did you go into making the episode with quite a clear idea of what it was going to be like or did Sam's answers kind of throw up surprises and throw, almost throw you off course a little bit in a way? Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, I suppose I just realised that you can't ever project what you want your your interviewee to say. And um, there were questions I asked, sort of having an idea of where he was going to go. And, you know, again, coming back to the language thing and he, the fact that it sort of demystified and he was also sort of like, well, you know, I, I also managed like really well when I didn't speak the language and that wasn't actually that hard not speaking the language there and 
you know, even though he acknowledged it was something that was really important to him, he worked really hard at it. He he wasn't sort of giving me that story of like, you know, I I set my mind to learning language and it was so important to me and I told and it sort of changed everything. He was like, well, it wasn't actually that hard when I didn't learn it. And then when I did learn it, it was, it, it didn't, it, it kind of, it wasn't this amazing thing necessarily. And yeah, I think he... I mean, I knew this a little bit, but I suppose the fact that he'd found the city, Berlin, that he, he connected with and he's lived for a really long time, but he's, you know, he's fallen out of love with it, but his relationship with it has dramatically changed and he's sort of feeling ready to move on again. So I guess in terms of thinking about home and, and, and finding your home, it, it, it again challenges that maybe like romanticized notion that I had of finding your place. I've definitely found myself before in interviews um, having a story in mind going in, maybe already having planned the episode and then going into an interview and someone says something that completely throws off what I was expecting and I'm like, oh no! <laughs> and like almost being tempted to be like, I'll just ignore that but I've definitely been like challenging myself to not ignore the bits that surprise me and to you know to to even embrace the bits that um I don't immediately understand or that even that appear to contradict other things the person said and um yeah but I think at first that was a real challenge for me when I started interviewing of not um not going in with too firm an idea of what I expected or maybe going in with an idea you know because I do plan the interviews beforehand so you have to have some idea of what you want to talk about but being willing to be surprised I think is quite important definitely yeah um and I guess as well accepting that people might say quite contradictory things even in the course of one interview and both can Um, be true yeah exactly exactly um yeah, because I think that definitely happened. When we, we sort of had a series of conversations over a week, um, and even he acknowledged, I, I wasn't even that conscious of it, but I think after one, he was like, oh, I think I was a bit more low energy that day. And I suppose listening back, it was like you could sort of hear perhaps feeling a bit more buoyant and optimistic on one day, and that's obviously going to then colour how you talk about things. Mm, you're never going to get a f- the, f- the whole of the person in one interview it, setting. Totally, yeah. Do you think you learned anything about yourself in the process of making the episodes? Your own ideas about home or...? Yeah, I think um, it's amazing sort of how fluid, I guess, things can be and the fact that we are able to move around. But I, I find it interesting the different factors for different people I guess that that take you to different places and I think I'd sort of always had this sense that where you choose to maybe make your home sort of says something a bit about you like if you like you know I want to be home in Glasgow that kind of a bit of what Glasgow's identity is must sort of appeal to you in some way or Manchester or um, Cornwall, wherever um, you choose. So I don't know. Um, and then I think for me, it's always meant then that there's sort of relatively high stakes on like where where am I going to be next, and where do I choose to base myself? And 
I don't know, perhaps letting go of that a bit and just sort of, I don't know, that um, I think we talked a bit as well in one of the feedback sessions about the idea of, of home being an internal thing as well as an external thing, which I think is also interesting um, to acknowledge because what came out in the interview with Sam and I think I recognise as well is I guess cities do change, but it's it's what's going on with you inside that is also then informing how you are relating to a place as home or not. Thanks to Helen for making this episode with us and for lending us her skill and her thoughtfulness. Thanks as always to the Accentricity team, John McDermott and Martha Ryan, to Seb Felt for the music and to Aileen Marshall for the transcription. Remember to follow the links in the episode description to buy a t-shirt, become a member on Patreon or Steady, or to make a one-off donation. Thanks for listening.